I have to tell you about these miniature gun models called goat guns. My guy loves building and collecting them. I was most surprised by the complexity of these models. They're really high quality. His dad and friends always ask about it, and if you ask me, these get a little too much attention around here. Shop for yours at GoatGuns.com. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today we bring you another case that involves Utah. I mean, it really happens in Arizona, but Utah is still involved, and we know how I feel about Utah. No one gives a rat's ass about small talk, so let's dive in. Jerry and Susan McFalls were one of those power couples who fell in love at 18 and the rest was history. 44 years later, they were still happily married and proud to be known as a doting grandma and grandpa. They had a bundle of children along with a litter of grandchildren. They held the family together like glue. They didn't play favorites and they never ran out of time, attention, or love. Their daughter-in-law, Meredith tells ABC4 that they were loving grandparents and parents. They're always there anytime you need anything. They drop everything that they're doing and they're right there at the drop of a hat to help us out. Susan McFalls actually made her job description on her Facebook page, taking care of everyone else. Raise your hand if you want in-laws like that. Okay, I actually have in-laws like that, and she's 100% listening to this. So hi, Gigi. We love you. Thanks for being the freaking best. Let's continue. The McFalls had homes in both Littlefield, Arizona, and you guessed it, South Jordan, Utah. Freaking Utah. The pair would split their time between the two homes, taking a four and a half hour drive each time, but Utah seemed to be their home grounds where the rest of their family lived. According to NBC, the McFalls had been visiting their Arizona home when their daughter-in-law got a text from Susan at around 10.30 a.m. on Thursday, January 11th of 2018. She asked where to get a specific type of dog bed. Meredy responded, and Susan replied around 3 p.m. that afternoon, thanking her and saying that they would be heading back to their home in South Jordan, Utah, that Sunday, the 14th. It was a busy week for Meredy and Jerry Jr., but on Saturday, January 20th, they got to go out on a rare date night. But right before walking out the door, Jerry Jr. asked Meredy if she had heard from his parents. She said, yeah, that she had texted on the 11th, but Jerry says that he had been trying to get in contact with them all week, but their phones were going to voicemail. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, if a phone is off, it's because someone is either committing a crime or they're a victim of one. Meredy sent her mother-in-law a text and figured she'd get a text back by morning, but when she woke up to find no response, she decided to call the Mojave Sheriff's Department and ask for a welfare check. Meredy's on the phone with the officer as they pull up to the house. They tell Susan that her parents' vehicles are still in the driveway, the front door was open, and their dogs were inside alone with bone-dry food and water bowls. Susan and Jerry, nowhere to be found. Jerry Jr. said that his mother would never leave her dogs behind. He told KSL that she would take their dog to the buffet with them and hide them in her purse. And even when she was out in the yard on the tractor, the dogs were there sitting on her lap. Meredy and Jerry are panicking at this point and hop in the car and make that four and a half hour drive to their parents' Littlefield home. When they got there, the lights were on, the TV was on, music was playing in the garage, drinks were out, a pork roast left out to thaw was spoiling on the counter, their wallets were there, their guns were still in the house, medication was left behind, and those phones that were going straight to voicemail were found dead. 
Both Susan and Jerry have diabetes and rely on insulin, which is all left behind in their Arizona home. It was as if the McFalls were going about their normal day, Susan cooking in the kitchen and Jerry relaxing in the garage, when they simply vanished into thin air. Over the next few days, authorities bring in canines in the works, but nothing comes of it. Whatever happened to the McFalls, whoever happened to the McFalls, it was personal and they had to have known them. There were no signs of forced entry or a struggle. They didn't want any of their belongings because everything of value was still there. They just wanted the McFalls. Volunteers gathered to search the area around their Littlefield home, hoping to find any trace of them or what might have happened to them, but find nothing. By January 24th, police and volunteers headed into the Mojave Desert on ATVs to search the absurdly open terrain that seemed to go on forever. Helicopters are even seen flying above the search area, but again, nada. On January 27th, there's finally some movement. A search warrant is served on the McFalls' neighbors, Lita Oakley and David Myhaver. The McFalls had actually purchased their Arizona home out of a bankruptcy filing, a bankruptcy filing involving those exact neighbors. Prior to buying their Littlefield home, Lita and David were living there. It turns out Lita Oakley allegedly shot Jerry Sr. in the stomach with a BB gun on November 25, 2018, while he was riding his four-wheeler on his own property. This happened just seven weeks prior to them going missing though she stands by her claim that it was an accident. Some speculate that it wasn't Lita who fired the BB gun. Many suspect that it was actually David, who expected the charge to be a misdemeanor, but when it was a felony, decided to let Lita take the hit for it so that David wouldn't lose his federal firearms dealing license. Lita and David were very into shooting, so much so that they filed a petition against a different neighbor's rezoning application for a housing development, saying that it would cause problems with his wanting to shoot their guns open range, basically meaning they wanted to be able to shoot their guns wherever they wanted to on their property. Lita was ultimately charged with felony assault with a deadly weapon. Their court hearings were continued twice. According to the Spectrum, it was due to issues with the defense attorney being there. But on February 8, 2018, the charges were dropped because the McFalls were missing. Susan and Jerry just so happened to go missing less than a month before a court hearing that could ruin their rival neighbors' livelihoods. To add insult to injury, according to the Vanish podcast, the police had previously gone over to speak to Lita and David on the day they initially responded to the McFalls' home. They had already hired an attorney and refused to cooperate. Let that one simmer for a second. Who hires an attorney for a crime no one knows has been committed yet? Jerry Jr. told KUTV, I guess they didn't find anything enough to detain him because they released him. I mean, that was a total surprise that just came out of nowhere. Him is the operative word here. So even though it was Lita who allegedly shot Jerry Sr., it sounds like the person of interest here is David Myhaver. But that wasn't the only court case they were involved in at the time of their disappearance. They were actually witnesses in another case involving their neighbors in Utah who were allegedly drinking and driving and waving a gun around. 
The family continues to lead the search efforts for their parents and asks that anyone with kayaks please come out or let volunteers use them to check the banks of the river. They also ask for help from anyone with drones or ATVs. The family reaches out to the legendary Texas EquiSearch, but are told they don't have a team in the area, which is odd because they've worked plenty of Utah cases, but then again, this is Arizona. I've never heard of them turning down a family, though. The Vanished podcast reported that the Sheriff's Department told Meredy and Jerry that any search and rescue organization participation would be their responsibility, so being turned down by Texas EquiSearch really crapped on the family's hope. On February 12th, a vigil is held. On March 8th, Mesquite Local News reports that police are closing in on suspects and persons of interest and expect indictments will be coming soon. The McFalls family is upset at the Mojave Sheriff's Department at this point and feels like they're not doing their job, saying that they haven't been back to the home since the initial search unless someone called and asked them to. But new hope enters the ring. A private investigator, David Bounsell, starts looking into the McFalls' disappearance and goes straight to work. He finds a mattress cover at the bottom of a burn pile in the back of the McFalls' backyard that looks to have a significant blood stain on it. It's been there for at least 50 days. Who the fuck doesn't search a burn pit at a motherfucking crime scene? In the driveway, he finds two 45 caliber shell casings. The McFalls owned zero 45 caliber guns. They also find two bullet holes in the corner of their backyard shed. The bullet holes look as if they were made by one shot through and through. The Mesquite Local News reports that the bullet holes look to be from a 380 and made from a defensive position of someone who was lying on their back. Naturally, the sheriff's office seems to refute any and all findings by the new PI, but what else is new? That's kind of how that goes majority of the time. Lots of toes, lots of stepping on them. All the evidence is turned over to the sheriff's department. However, the sheriff's department said that they tested the mattress cover and it came back negative for blood and they wouldn't be sending it off for any other further testing. It also turns out that a friend of the family thought it would be appropriate to use their missing relative's property for target practice and went to the McFalls property and went shooting. Police assumed that the shell casing was likely related to that or a previous recreational shooting. The PI set up a perimeter and gate around the property and installed security cameras, and lo and behold, someone hopped the fence and used a flashlight to try and find something. Maybe something they know they left behind. Bounsell is quoted as saying, Now we know someone is sweating about our work and came back to the scene. He also says that all new evidence continues to point towards the same persons of interest, which just further confirms that they're on the right track. Bounsell believes that Jerry McFall was shot in the driveway and Susan was shot in the backyard by the shed. However, I have to believe that if any of that was true, dogs would have alerted to the blood that would have very obviously been left behind. You can mop a floor, but anything that happens outside is seeping into the ground. The behavior of the private investigator starts rubbing a lot of people who have been following the case the wrong way. They feel like he's being too aggressive without enough evidence and it's coming off as showboaty. During a new search of the property, volunteers watched as they say the McFalls neighbors did burnouts in and out of their driveway, never going in or out of their house. They'd just sit and watch the volunteers and then do some more burnouts. KSL gets a hold of person of interest, David Myhaver, and he is pissed. He tells them, all I can say is it's BS because none of it is factual. Compelling argument, dude. 
He goes on to talk about that time Lita allegedly shot Jerry in the stomach, you know, the charges that were dropped when Susan and Jerry went missing. He tells KSL that was all he said she said and that nobody saw anything. How do you know nobody saw anything? And note that he didn't say she would never do anything like that or that's totally absurd. No, he's all, well, there's no witnesses, so... But time passes and passes and passes. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. And then it happens. On October 15th, 2018, nine and a half months after seemingly vanishing into thin air, a couple celebrating their retirement decide to take a camping trip by the Virgin River Gorge. When the couple decides to take a walk, they stumble upon partially buried remains. Holy shit, welcome to retirement. They call 911 and authorities spent the next four days scouring the gorge for any evidence that may lead them to an identification to the bodies found or to who may have been involved in putting them there. From what I understand, they collected some pretty significant evidence, but they're holding on to it until the case is prosecutable. The McFalls were found in their home county of Littlefield, Arizona, just 20 miles from their home. The remains were sent off to the FBI lab to be identified. Meredith tells KSL that on top of diabetes, her mom had degenerative back disease and couldn't walk more than 100 yards on that kind of terrain. I mean, their vehicles were home and they certainly didn't walk there on their own, so who done it? On November 1st, Arizona family reports that Susan's remains were positively identified through the knee replacement parts she had in her leg. They matched the serial numbers on the device and quickly made the identification. But we wait for confirmation on the second set of remains found with her. Let's be real, though. They're Jerry's. Jerry had fewer medical problems than Susan's. So the identification process will take a bit longer. Time passes again and days turn into weeks and you guessed it. Weeks turn into months. And by fucking April of 2019, Meredith and Jerry Jr. still have gotten zero updates from the Mojave Sheriff's Department. He had given his DNA to authorities three separate times for comparison, and they still heard nothing. Meredith tells me that the Sheriff's Department seized four toothbrushes from the McFalls' home, and every single one of them came back with DNA positive to Susan. But Susan's toothbrush is still sitting there. Meredy has no idea where these toothbrushes came from. And if they can test four toothbrushes for comparison, what is taking so long to compare Jerry Jr.'s DNA to Jerry Sr.'s remains? From what I understand, the Mojave Sheriff's Department got rapid DNA access just weeks before the McFalls went missing. Why wasn't this utilized? We saw it used in the Lizzie Shelley case, and it was phenomenal. KUTV reports that Meredy emails the department on a weekly basis and gets the same answer each week, that they're actively investigating the case and that's it. But not a single arrest has been made and the second set of remains, which we know is going to be Jerry, has still yet to be identified. KUTV contacted the FBI and in an interesting twist, they said that they were working with the sheriff's department but are unaware of where further testing may be going on on the second set of remains. Hold up. I thought they were sent to the FBI for identification. Frustration would be a massive understatement at this point. 
by June of 2019, they still have no answers as to the second set of remains found alongside Susan's, and the sheriff's department won't give them any indication of how much longer they'll have to wait for answers. But they continue to insist that they're actively working the case. More months pass in a year to the day that the remains were found, the second set has still yet to be identified, though we very obviously assume that they're Jerry's. Meredith tells KSL-TV that they were told it was due to a backlog in the lab. I mean, they could have just swabbed the DNA and sent Jerry Seniors and Jerry Juniors off to fucking 23andMe and gotten a DNA match quicker than this. Seriously, it takes like six weeks tops. There are standalone paternity test offices that do it in less than 72 hours. It's time to shit or get off the pot here, but not a single shit has been dropped. To this very day, Jerry's remains are still in the abyss somewhere waiting to be identified. Zero cause of death has ever been announced for neither Susan nor the second set of remains. Meredith and Jerry have never so much as seen a death certificate for their parents, nor have their bodies been returned to them to be properly laid to rest. Justice isn't just moving slowly for this family, it's not moving at all. The McFalls family have been in limbo for over two years, waiting for answers to what happened to the patriarch of their family, their mother and father, the glue that held them all together. On January 18th of 2020, the former private investigator David Bounsell announces on his Facebook that there will be a vigil held in honor of the McFalls in Beaver Dam. However, Meredith and Jerry Jr. weren't contacted nor notified about this vigil at all. In fact, they posted on the Missing McFalls page that they hadn't been in contact with Bounsell since October 13th of 2019. They said that they have no part in this vigil, and they don't believe it's being held for the right reasons. The McFalls weren't invited, but the press was. To this day, the McFalls family is still waiting on the identification of Jerry Sr. They went missing in 2018, were found nine and a half months later, and a year and some change since then, the family is no closer to getting justice than they were on January 11th of 2018. If you have any information about the disappearance or murder of the McFalls family, please call 928-753-0753. Justice is waiting on us. I recorded this episode on Tuesday, January 28th. I spoke with Meredith that night and made some phone calls the next day to see what the backlog for identification might be and the process of getting Meredith a copy of Susan's death certificate. On Thursday, January 30th, Meredith and Jerry Jr. got the call they'd been waiting for for over a year. The second set of remains found alongside of Susan McFalls was officially identified as her husband, Jerry Sr. This is absolutely the best last minute end to a case that I could ever ask for. Now we just wait for a cause of death and the justice to follow. As soon as I get any updates, you will be the first to know. For all photos and maps pertaining to the McFalls case, check out their highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for $1 a month, your podcasts are totally ad-free. For $5 a month, you get an extra podcast episode on the first Monday of each month, the Mondayest Monday, exclusive only to Patreon members. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait, but until then, we out. (laughs) 